Have you ever looked up and seen the geese flying south? And you notice the giant V that they're flying in? Have you ever seen that? And just watch them as they fly in mass. I'm not talking about when there's three or four and they're just winging around. But like the huge V as they're moving this entire group from direction north to direction south, right? The scientists have looked at that and they started saying, I wonder what we could learn from it. So here's a few things they found out. The lead goose that's flying up in front actually only flies there for a short period of time. Because the heaviest drag is found right up front. So that lead goose is flying along, taking all the drag on it. It's exhausting. And so that lead goose ends up peeling off. And you'll see it actually fall all the way to the back. Why is that? Because each goose, as you go back, there's a lift that's created as it's, as it's uh, batting its wings. And as it's flying along, you see each bird, one at a time, taking more and more lift. And so by the time you get to the back, they say there's 71% less drag and 71% more lift. And so these birds end up being able to rotate leadership as they fly along. They can actually fly three-fourths further because they rotate like that. But more than that, if you've ever seen, and I saw this actually happen last year, when one of the geese ends up for whatever reason getting hurt and peels off and flies to the ground... There's more than one that goes with it. Two, three, four, they kind of peel off with it and go down. And they stay with that bird until it's ready to fly. And then they fly together sharing the load. Geese. We can actually learn something from geese. More than just, I wish they weren't in our yard or in the pond down the street where they found it to stay warm all winter. You know what I mean? But actually flying and learning to to work in a teamwork fashion. The question is this. How do we work in a teamwork fashion here in the body? What does it look like for us to work together to glorify God together? That's what the Apostle Paul is answering in this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be diving into verses 7 through 16. We're going through a series called Out of the Shadows, Living in His Light. That's what Paul's challenge today is. Time to get out of the shadows Time to work together as a body. That's what we're going to be looking at. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So uh, again, we're going to be walking phrase by phrase through this. So if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you, okay? That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Let me start reading. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The Apostle Paul's challenge, as God inspired, teamwork. Unity in the body as we work together. So what are his points? Let's just break them down into three here, okay? First point, know Jesus, the victor and giver. Know Jesus, the victor and giver. It starts with him, it ends with him, it's all about him. Know Jesus, the victor and giver. Okay, where do we get that? Let's start out right away in verse 7. Notice it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now remember, we just got done talking about how he lavishes grace upon us. How he pours that out. That's the whole first three chapters of Ephesians, right? And so now he's saying, don't forget, he's giving us grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. As God himself has come to this earth, sacrificing all, making himself available for us. That's the level of grace that God's giving. The entire pouring out of him into us, that is the grace that we have. Don't forget that grace. That's where he starts. Don't forget that grace. And he continues on here, verse 7. He says at the end, according to the measure of Christ's gift, and then he says in verse 8, therefore it says, okay, now he's doing a quote. This is from Psalm chapter 68, verse 18. He says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, for those of you who are fast flippers and you already flipped the Psalms and you read it, you're like, wait a minute, that's not what it says. Psalm 68, 18 says that he led a host of captives, but then he was receiving the gifts, not giving the gifts. What's going on with that? Okay, here's what's happening. The picture in Psalm 68 is of a victor. It's of a general at the end of war, and he's won. This is the picture of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, all victorious. And what happens then? You come in to those that you have just taken over. You take them captive. You put them in a line, a train, basically chained or roped together so that you can take them from one place to another back as captives. You take from them the booty. You end up being, you receive now, right? That's the receiving in Psalm 68 as you take from, but then he turns around and he shares out with those who have been doing the battle with him. So Psalm 68 is actually capturing what's going on with the victor as he sets up in line and receives. And Ephesians 4 is the closure as he turns around and shares that back out with you and with me. Psalm 68, verse 18, carried through, says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to you and me. He gave gifts to men. He's lavishing upon us the opportunity to take part in this ministry with him. He's saying, it's not just about me doing the work. It's about you and me. Get ready. Here we go. I want you to partake with me. I want you to be a part of this with me. You are going to be in awe as you see me at work. Get prepared. All too often we think of church as, let's just show up and see what God gives to me as far as how I can grow. But what we're going to find out real quickly here is these gifts are more than just, how do I become different? What did God have for me? I'm not at the Christian buffet shop, you know. 
and like, hey, today I shopped and I found this uh, egg was wonderful and I found this. That, that's not what it's about. It's actually more than that. It's what do you have as gifts from him that you can end up utilizing to bring honor and glory to him? That's what it's all about. Now, we have to be, some of you are looking at this and you're going, are you going to touch on the tough spot? So, yes, here we go. You ready? Okay. In verse 9, notice most of you have parentheses in your Bible there in verse 9. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's moving along. He quotes Psalm 68, 18. He gets to the word ascend, and then he goes, which reminds me. Okay? So we're into a little Pauline, like, turn left, and he's going to sort of explain a little bit. Just something on my mind, just to let you know. Here's where I'm at. Okay? So parentheses. Verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? So what is he emphasizing here? First of all, the word ascended. You see, in and around the, the realms of Jerusalem, often for them to go to battle, they ended up having to go down to go to battle. And the coming back up was coming home, okay? So Psalm 68 is reflecting the physical geography of what was going on. But Paul, he's going into the spiritual now. And he's saying, you know what? Our God, our victor, oh, did he descend. Oh, did he descend. Let's remember where he came from. Yes, he is ascending back up, making captives his. But let me tell you this. Don't forget that for him to ascend, he had to descend. He had to come down. Okay? Now, there's actually three possible meanings where it says, into the lower regions of the earth. So if you have the New American Standard or the NIV, I believe it says, uh, to the lower regions of the earth. Okay? This can mean a couple of things. First, it either means to go to the lower regions, you know, the earth. Okay, that's one way it's, that's what it could mean. All right, to go to the lower regions, you know, the earth. The other thing it could mean is to go into the lower regions of the earth, like to be buried, like to be buried in the ground, that subpart of the earth. Or a third thing it could mean is even below the earth, you know, the lower regions below the earth. Any one of those would be viable according to the Greek, okay? But I really believe it's the first one, the lower regions, you know, the earth. Why do I think that? Look a little bit later there. Look at what he says right after it. Where is he ascending back up to? It says he descended into the lower regions of the earth. And then in verse 10, it says, he who descended is the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. What's the emphasis? The ascending and descending. It's up to heaven is where you're ascending. And it's down to the lower regions you know, the earth. This is a Philippians chapter two explanation going on. He's looking at it and he's saying, we have a God who has become man. We have a God who has loved you so much that he gave everything he had and he clothed himself with humanity. He came to us, to the lower regions, you know, the earth. That's where he's at. He came here to make a sacrifice for you and for me. That's our God. That's our victor. That's our king. Amen? That's our victor. That's what Paul's going after here. We have to see our Jesus as victor. We have to see him as winner. We have to see him as king of kings and lord of lords. Praise be his name. Our God is bringing us back. And our God is giving gifts in the meantime. Amen? That's a king. That's a God. That's a victor. That's what Paul's saying. Parentheses right? 
Just, just a little side thought. I want you to remember this. Get pumped up on this. We have a victor. He has descended and he is ascending. And he rules all. Praise be to God. Amen? That's the point. Know Jesus as your victor. Know Jesus as the giver. At the end of verse 10 here, he says, that he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. Remember at the end of Ephesians chapter 1 in the prayer, verses 15 to 23, it talks real clearly about Jesus Christ being the filler of all things. That he is reigning above all. That he will fill all in all. Our Jesus, our God, our victor, he's the one who is meant to fill you, who is meant to fill me. Not stuff, not purpose like, hey, I got a really important job and people now know who I am and so I'm respected and not money, not even love from human being to human being, but Jesus Christ himself. Are you seeking a relationship with the victor? Are you seeking a relationship with the God of the universe who has stooped and descended to come to you and me. Our Jesus, our victor, know him. Not just know facts about him, but know him. Know him personally, know him richly, know him deeply. He is bringing it to your doorstep. Are you receiving it? Our king is giving with all he's got. He wants to lavish upon you in ways unimaginable. And if life for you right now has been a doldrum, if life for you right now has been just really not that much fun, are you looking at Jesus Christ and keeping your eyes fixed on him? Because it's guaranteed to be a walk you'll never forget. Don't get me wrong. Not saying there's no pain. Don't get me wrong. We do have a God who walks us through things to train and shape us. But along the way, you have a relationship that you cannot imagine until you've experienced it. Dive in. Know Jesus. Know him. Know him as victor. Know him as king and giver. You know, as a lame example, we have a little dog named Teddy. Okay? This little cocker spaniel, which actually isn't so little. The typical cocker should weigh about 18 pounds and Teddy weighs about 40. Okay? <laughs> But, but he has long legs. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, Teddy's a slug. He loves to just lay there. He'll bark when somebody comes to the door, you know, and he barks for about four minutes, and then he lays down and he's like, I've done my duty, you know? <laughs> That's our dog. And, and we purposely shopped for that, just so you know, we're elated with a slug. Like, we wanted that, we looked for that, we hunted for it, we found it, and we're happy, okay? <laughs> Teddy loves two things, sleeping and food. Well, three things and my wife, but okay. So he, he like worships her ground, not mine so much, but hers. Yes. So every night at seven thirty or eight o'clock, this dog knows it's treat time. Okay. But he also knows who the giver is and that giver isn't me or my kids. Even though we may be the one who goes and actually picks up the treat, that giver is mom, right? And so while we're watching TV or talking or whatever, he will just move himself in front of Jana and he will just stop and just stare. <laughs> and sit and stare. And he'll just wait and he'll wait and he'll wait and he'll wait and he'll wait until finally Jana's like, stop it. 
you know, and I'm like, honey does it every night. Maybe it's just time to get the treat. You know, don't say the word, you know, that kind of thing. Like we have that whole conversation going on. Okay. And so she finally says, fine, Alyssa, will you please get Teddy the treat or Megan or dad or whoever ends up being in the rotation, whatever, you know, and, uh, and this dog flips a lid, right? He knows exactly what's happened. Like the treat may not be coming from her hand, but the word has been given. Do you know what I'm saying? And this dog's spinning and doing circles and the tail's wagging, you know, all one inch of the tail is wagging and the dog runs over and you get him the treat and he chomps down on this little bone thing and runs away and it takes him about four minutes. The thing's done. And then he goes and lays down. He's done. I got my treat. I'm cool. I'm good. Our dog understands who the giver is. And let me tell you, he's at her feet. Do you understand who the giver is? Jesus Christ is the giver in your life. Are you at his feet? Are you just staring up, waiting in full expectance of what he's giving? Our God loves you so much that he's about ready to say, here comes the treat. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what it is in your life. Don't take me wrong. It's not some physical blessing all the time. A lot of times it's something deep inside satisfaction wise with him in this world. But our God is working with you. He's the giver. He's the victor. Are you at his feet? Just hungry for getting from the Holy Spirit through him, Jesus Christ, your giver, pouring out on you. Are you ready? Because he's ready to blow you away. Know Jesus. Know him richly. Know him passionately. Know him personally. And get ready because he's got some stuff to give you. He wants to blow you away with who he is. To him be the glory. To him be the glory. Amen? That's our God. Know Jesus know him personally. Okay. Number two, you are the gift. Make yourself available to the body. You are the gift. Make yourself available to the body. Did he just say I'm the gift? Like I know Romans and I know first Corinthians and these passages talk about gifts being given to us. We're the receiver. The giver is God. We receive the gift is being given to us. I know what that says. Yes. But look at Ephesians four. Take a look at verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And for some of you, it says, and he gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Okay. Who's being given there? The people themselves. The gift is you. You see, the giver is Jesus Christ. He is giving you to the body. He has enabled you and equipped you and and empowered you to bring to your location, blooming where you're planted, to bring where you are co-located with others to make an impact. You're the gift to us. So look left and look right. Go ahead. Look left, look right. The people you just saw, that's the ones you're being given to. You're the gift. You're the gift. Some of you are laughing and I'm not sure why now. (laughs) It was an interesting moment when you looked left and looked right. I don't know. Okay. You're the gift. In what ways? Well, let's see what he's given. He's given some examples here in verse 11. He gave apostles. He gave apostles. You know, commissioned messengers, church planters, starters and growers. 
He gave that person, that unique authoritative position in the early New Testament, those early men who were given by God the wisdom and the insight and the direct knowledge of what he was doing in this church world to make an impact. He gave the apostles. Now, today, we actually, you could argue that there is a gift of apostleship in a more general sense. I would never want that individual to write and add a book to the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Like the gift of apostleship in the early church was very different. There was an authority coming with them where there was a direct line from God to add special revelation to scripture. That is not what we have today. But we do have men who are leaders and starters, church planters and growers. The apostleship. He brings people to grow things and start things. He also here has the gift of prophecy. The prophets coming. They have the ability to speak forth the truth of God. What's the truth of God that we have today? Everybody raise up your Bible, right? The, the gift of prophecy most evident today is being used by speaking forth the very words of God. Speaking forth the truth of who he is right here coming out of this word. But we have apostles. We have prophets, evangelists sharing the gospel message the truth of Jesus Christ crucified and risen and providing life for you and for me. We have a God who loves us and lavishes on us. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and at the end, shepherds and teachers. Now, just a real quick one for those of you who like detail, okay? The word and between shepherds and teachers is a different and than the ones that connected those other words. He's trying to make a point. There's this gift, this gift, this gift, and this collective gift. Shepherds and teachers. Kind of together. You could almost put a hyphen there. Shepherd, teacher. Okay? One who pastors and trains from the word. Shepherd, teacher. Okay? So this is one of the gift examples that he has. These four are given in order for you and for me to be able to understand better and grow better in the body. So what exactly is the purpose of these gifts? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip. That word literally means to mend the nets. That's how it was used. To mend the nets. To repair, restore, and make strong. To mend. Why are you and I given to the body? To help mend and provide and grow the body. To help mend and equip. That's our purpose as we come into the body. Very clear, very specific. To equip the saints. Mend them to do what? Work of ministry. Right at the end there. To do the work of ministry. To help reconcile people to God himself. To help bring people into a closer relationship with him. And to help restore relationships human to human that have been broken. Our job is the work of ministry. Reconciling people to people, but most importantly, people to God. That's our job. And as we come alongside of one another, we have very specific roles. Some of them listed there, others listed in Romans and 1 Corinthians. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list. It's meant to be an example of how you could be used in changing the body. God bringing you so that you can help me or my wife or Kent or Nate. That's what it's about, is that we can change and be changed by each of us sharing with one another. And growing with one another. So that's purpose. To equip. But he goes on. Like, 
how long is this going to happen for? A few years? Maybe just the first few years of a church and then it stops? Or how long? Look at verse 13. Until, so that's a good indication of time. Until we all attain to, uh-oh, till we all attain to, here we go. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's all. So we're being brought together with gifts just until, until we're all unified in the faith, completely unified, and we completely understand Jesus Christ. That's all. Till then. So basically, until he comes back. That's what it's about. You and me rallying together for this purpose. Unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. What is that word knowledge? Epinosis. Specific, detailed knowledge of our Savior. You will know him better each day you serve him. You will know him better each day you step out to figure out who he is and what's going on in his life and what he wants for you. You will know him as you watch him act and react in this community and in this community. Do you know what I'm saying? We have a God who is alive and at, and at work and you can be a part of that with him. Amen? That's what it's about. And as we go through this, we attain to the unity of the faith. We attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. You have a chance to know the Son of God. You have an opportunity and a privilege to know him, detailed know him, deeply understanding him as you serve him the way he's called you to serve. That's it. That's all he's saying. He says right after that, in the ESV it says, to mature manhood. You know, in the original language here, it basically is saying, until we all become one grown-up guy. That's really what it's saying. It's talking about the unity of the faith again. It's about you and me and all of us together, rallying together and looking like one mature individual. It's not mature men. It's mature man. The indication is all of us together, men, women, children, beating together with the heart of God, unity in the faith. We look like one big mature body, one body. That's what it's about, to be mature in the way we walk, to be mature and unified. That's his emphasis. That's a goal. Now that's a goal, right? Are you ready to be mature? Most of us would go, yeah, I kind of want to be considered mature, right? Are you ready to be mature? That's a really weak answer. Are you ready to be mature? All right. Are you ready to be unified? I was a little weaker. Are you ready to be unified? All right. Do you know what it takes to be unified? It takes us. No. Yes. <laughs> Good. Let me tell you. This is the deal. If we walk around using ourselves as the standard, we will not have unity. You need to walk around saying Jesus Christ is our standard. And my goal is to be Christ-like, not Tim-like or Kent-like or Larry-like, even though they're great guys. Speaking of them, not me, okay? I'm telling you, our passion has to be, it's not me that's the standard. It's God himself. And may we all together understand how much we've fallen short and how much we're coming together to be like him. Praise be to God. Use him as your standard as you measure yourself up to him. And you're going to recognize that you, like me, have fallen short. And we all together rallying together and supporting each other and challenging each other can grow together to be more like him. Amen? That's where we're going.
okay? Unity in the faith is all about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, okay? Now he closes out here. He says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Once again, so that we can be Christ-like. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not so you can have a little inkling of sort of looking like Jesus, but that you can be Jesus-like. That when they look to you, they go, wow, that's Christ. That's the point. That when this body is reflected on, when people look from the outside in, they say, wow, if that's not Jesus at work, I don't know what is. That's where we're being called to. So people can see this body at work and say, God is alive and well. That's our goal. That he gets the glory, that he gets the honor, that our actions and reactions and interactions bring him the honor and the glory that we could be just like Jesus. You know, we, uh, a couple years back, um, we were up at Harvest Naperville on staff there. And um, my wife called me one night. She had gone out to uh, make a recording uh, there, singing with a couple of the people from the worship team. And she said, uh, I, I hit a wall with the van. I said, you hit a wall? How's the van? She goes, well, it's okay. Um, it was a short wall. I said, it was a short wall. She goes, yeah, it was really low, so I couldn't see it. And as I was turning in, it kind of hit the door and just sort of dragged along the door. And I said, oh, well, how bad is it? She goes, well, you could see through it. <laughs> okay. So now I kind of escalated up. You know, up until then, I was kind of going, ah, two, three, four, ten. Like, oh, okay, you can see through it. Not going to be able to leave it in the rain. We better do something fast. Okay. So we started talking a little bit about what we're going to do. She ended up staying there, doing the quick recording and bringing the van home. But we had to put it in and get it in the shop right away. And it was not a time with me doing all the traveling, doing hospital visitations and all that stuff. And John basically had the, the running the kids back and forth to school and everything that was going on. We needed two cars. It just wasn't going to work. And we didn't know what we were going to do. So she was dropping me off at work. And it was very difficult. We were constantly. So the next day at church on a Sunday. She's saying, yeah, we're not sure. It'll be about a week. We'll see what happens. She's telling somebody the story. And a person behind her, very giving individual, just loves being a giver in the church, hears this, turns around and says, hey, I need to let you know I've got a van for you. Actually, I've got an SUV for you. Uh, I'd love to have you guys use it for the week. It's been sitting there. Actually, I had a lease on this and it came up a week ago. And I just felt like God was telling me, don't do that yet. Somebody needs it. So I've been sitting here waiting for a week to hear who it is. It's you. So we want you to use the SUV. Why don't you come over and pick it up, okay? So we come over to pick up the SUV, and as we pull in the driveway, there's a Mercedes and a BMW and another BMW, and I think even another BMW. <laughs> and as we stopped and parked, I'm like, what in the, where's the one we're going to end up? Like, <laughs> you know, and he ends up loaning us a BMW SUV for the week with heated seats and all that. She was really sad to get the van back. But, <laughs> you know, in the end, you know what? The guy just loves to give. And God uses him immensely in a variety of ways in that body, just constantly sharing with people behind the scenes, no big deal, just want you to understand you're loved and cared for. That's a big part of why he was brought to that body. His sacrificial giving, his sacrificial heart. Here's my question for you. Why were you brought to this body? What's God brought you here for? I mean, yes, it's to grow. 
Yes, it's to know Jesus a little better yourself personally, but it's more than that. We talk about being a complete disciple for Christ, one who worships, walks, and works for Christ. What's the opportunity that you could take hold of right now in this body? Why has Jesus brought you here? I'm not sure what it is, but I'll tell you this. I read this passage and I am hungry to get you plugged in. I don't know where it is, how it is, and what it's going to happen, but I need you serving him just as he called you to be here. We're going to get to it in just a second as to why, but you must be a part of this body. God's given you to this body. What's your role? How can I get you plugged in? How can we as a staff help get you plugged in? There are needs that we have. I'd love to see you plug in. You might even say, hey, here's an area that I've got some strengths and gifts in. It's not something listed on the back of your sheet. Fine, let's do it. Let's get you plugged in. What is it that God's called you to this body for? That's what we need to go after or we'll miss the point of this passage. You're called to us. Let's rally together as a body working together to make an impact. Real quickly, just turn to the back of your sheet. I think it'll come up up here too. We just put some current needs down just so you get an idea. This isn't an exhaustive list, but just so you get an idea. You know, on Sunday mornings, this body's growing. And as this body grows, so do our kids. We get some bigger numbers of kids in there. We've got some great opportunities in Higher Ground, which is our kids' program, zero through sixth grade, specifically the ones and twos. If you love working with little kids, like that's an immediate help that we could drop you in at. I'd love to have you talking to Heather and seeing if that's a good fit, getting you into ones and twos. You know, we also have some small group leading for first through fourth grade on Sunday mornings. These, these types of opportunities are great for you to be able to attend one service and help at another service. Maybe that's what God's called you here for. And you can see the rest of them here. We've got some Wednesday night programs going on with 5th and 6th or 7th and 8th. They're actually very well staffed right now, but, you know, I, I threw them in here just in case that thing keeps growing. It'd be great if you've got a passion for that area. Love to plug you in. Uh, high school on Sunday nights. Do you love working with high schoolers? Please come out. We'd love to get you plugged in, okay? Let's talk to Aaron. Let's get you plugged in if that's the best fit, all right? Set up and tear down. Did you know this stuff doesn't just happen on purpose on its own? Like we end up having to put people up here in the mornings and in the evenings to sort of take this down. So we'd love to have you plugged in helping with that if that's where your gift is. If you're a behind the scenes person, set up and tear down might be a great moment for you. What is it that you're called to? Ushering, greeting, working with the tables. Maybe it's even small group leading or something like that. We want to talk to you and get you plugged in, okay? God's got a plan for you being here. And it's not just so that you fill a chair. It's also so that you're serving and getting to know him as you work for Christ. I'm passionate about it. Want to see you plugged in. Okay? Make sense? Make sense? There we go. All right. All right. So first, you've got to know Jesus as Victor. Second, you need to make yourself available. You're the gift. And third, grow up in all things. Grow up in all things. Verses 14 through 16. Let's start out right at verse 14. It says, so that. Purpose statement. You hear it? So that. So this is why we're doing all that stuff. This is why we're actually going to see where we fit in. So that. Okay. And he says that we may no longer be children. Okay. That's a metaphorical statement to our spiritual, right? So what does it look like to be a child? He could just leave it at that, and then we'd have to try to figure it out ourselves. But he actually tells us. He says, what would it look like to be a child? This is what it would look like. Tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. 
In other words, every little thing that comes along seems to distract you and take you away from the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Let's not be distracted away by the ridiculousness of what the world is proposing to us at the moment. There's a lot going on. Did you know the number one thing being proposed right now is relativism is everything. It, there is no absolute truth. Two plus two is four. Yeah, but that's just the math world. When there's spiritual, nah, there's no absolutes. It's all relative. Really? Is that what God says? Let's read the scriptures. Is that what he says? That everything is relative? Yes or no? No. no. It isn't what he says. And while it may sound good and it may be tickling your ear, be careful. I'm telling you this. We have a God who has designed a world where absolutes reign. I was an engineer for 17 years. If they didn't, everything we designed would have broken pretty fast. We were counting on the absolutes of math and electrical engineering pieces. I'm telling you, we have a God who knows and loves and lives within the world of absolutes. Don't buy into that junk. Don't buy into it. Don't let your ear be tickled and walk on because it allows you to get more of you on the you stand. Do you know what I'm saying? Go after God getting the glory. Be careful. Doctrine that is being drafted by men to deceive. Now he says right after it, what kind of people would create those things? By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Human cunning. You see, he's specifically saying right there that I want you to be careful that men are bringing up bogus stuff. Watch out. Rather, he says in verse 15, so transformation now, rather... This is what you should be. You ready? Speaking the truth in love. Now, literally in the Greek, this is truthing in love. That's what we need to be doing. Truthing in love. That's pretty worth writing down. Truthing in love. Okay? Notice the in love part. Not just truthing. Not just walking around telling people facts that hurt their feelings. But actually sitting down with people and carefully walking through what could help them to grow. Truthing in love. The purpose is to care for them and to help them grow and to work with them. You are there through thick and thin with them. You are not just whamming them and moving on. Okay? It's not the drive-by truth hit. All right? Truthing in love. It really is about caring for people by sharing with people what will help them grow. Okay? Truthing in love. He says right here, we are to grow up in every way, the NASB says, in all things unto him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. In other words, this body will only be held together if we all are doing what we have been called to do here. Did you know that? He's actually telling you right here, if you back off and you're not a part of it, you leave us weaker for it. You're needed. God's got a plan for you in this body. What is it? What's it look like? Come join us. You would be amazed at what God is doing. Come join us and watch his hand at work as lives are being changed, as people are committing for the first time to Jesus Christ, recommitting maybe for the second, third, or fourth time, as they're figuring out the junk that they need to let go of and the things they need to grab onto, as they're becoming more like him. You can be a part of that process as we celebrate in this community a God who is alive and at work. He says right at the end, when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My job, our pastoral job, is to make sure that you are working properly. That's our job. We better get you plugged in or shame on us. But we better get you plugged in in the right way 
in the right place at the right time. Some of you may actually have a passion to be in a spot that maybe not is the best fit right now. Trust us with that, okay? Lean on us because we're going to have you plugged into the spot where God's got you, where God's designed you to be. Properly fit together. That's what we're looking for. Properly fit together. Praise be to God. And he says right at the end that we may be built up in love. That we may be built up in love. It's this simple. You have the opportunity to watch God change you and work in you as you grow to be like him. Grow up in all things in him. I'll just use a real quick analogy. You know, I go out turkey hunting with my dad every year and uh, we get into his pine trees where all the turkeys are supposed to be, although this year there's none, so we'll see what happens. But you get out there and you sit down at four in the morning and like the first 25 feet of these trees is dead. There's nothing growing, but the very top, there's green everywhere because it's what's getting the sun. It's the top canopy and what's underneath has nothing. The point is this. Are we in the light of our God? Are we the top, getting the canopy, getting the sun? Are we green and growing or are we underneath? Are we masked out of his light, out of what he's got planned for us and we're dying on the vine and falling off? That's what we need to be really careful of. It's time to get in his light. It's time to live in his light. It's time to get out of the shadows and live in his light. God's got a great plan for you. And I am excited for the opportunities we have. You know what? As people come into this body, and we've got a lot of people who have walked into this body with a lot of skill set. And as people come into this body, I can only say this. If God's bringing them, what's he planning on doing? That's where I'm at. I get excited because when people walk in the door, it tells me what God's planning to do next. Did you know that? And as people walk in this door with great skill set, I can only go, wow, we better watch out. We're going to get our doors blown off with what he's planning on doing. That's what's happening right now as people are walking in this door with skill sets beyond belief. Let's get you plugged into the right spots. May God be glorified, okay?